Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning to share this next part of God's story with you. This is a little bit of a change of a pace for me because I'm usually in the back speaking to our elementary kids each week, but I'm excited uh, to be in here with you. We're going to have a lot of fun, um, just like we do back in the clubhouse. If you ask any of our kids' ministry team, they'll tell you that there's never a dull moment in kids' ministry. I see some of us like, yep, that's the truth. But a lot of Sundays you can find us playing ridiculous games where usually I'm dressed up like a Bible character and embarrassing myself a little bit. It's really awesome. But I'm excited to bring that excitement in here with you today as we hear this next part of God's story. But before we get to our scripture for today, we're going to recap what Pastor Alex talked about when we kicked off the series So the Story of God series, it's all about the story of the Bible, which is really a bunch of of stories that make up one big story, God's big story. But God's story is also one that we are invited into, that we get to participate in. So we see that displayed here on our little visual timeline. And we started last week with the story of creation with Adam and Eve, which is represented here by this apple, this fruit. And Adam and Eve, they lived in this beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden. It was actual paradise because in this garden, they had everything they could ever need. God provided food for them. They lived in perfect relationship with their creator where he walked among them. He talked with them. Guys, what more could they need, right? Yet in the middle of this paradise, in the middle of having it all, Adam and Eve, they felt like they needed more and they ate the fruit from the tree that God specifically told them not to eat from. And sin and death entered the world. What's really interesting is that Adam and Eve, they had it all, right? They had everything, yet their disobedience brought brokenness and separation between a perfect and a holy God and humanity. And like Adam and Eve, we too have experienced failure in our lives, right? We've made choices that we know God has told us not to, And so we know what this brokenness is like from choosing what we want over what God wants for us. So what we're going to see today in this next part of God's story, in this next part of our story, is that failure isn't the end. It's not where God leaves us because in the midst of all this brokenness, in the midst of this broken relationship, God has a plan to bring humanity back to himself, a plan to reconcile and restore what was lost in the garden. I thought before we jump in today, I, since we're talking about God's big story, I would share with you a part of my own story because I'm still somewhat new here. I've been here a little over a year now, and not all of you know me super well yet, so I thought I would share with you a little bit about my life. Um, I have had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My parents raised my brother and sister and I in the Nazarene church specifically, but As long as I can remember, the church has always been a really big part of my life. Just about every time the church doors were open, I was there, and I just spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time especially with my friends from church. I made a lot of friends as a teenager, especially my friends and I from church. We did everything together. Now, there's something else that you should know about me especially as a teenager, I was pretty mischievous. I, I was, I got into some, not trouble, pranks. I was a good kid, but I pranked a lot of people and played jokes on people. And I did this especially with 
my friends from church. And one of our favorite pranks, one of our common ones that we did was we would go out and saran wrap cars a lot. It was just our thing that we did, I guess. But one of our other favorite pranks that we did was we would go out and fork people's yards. In case you don't know what this is, and I'm not encouraging this, I'm just telling teenagers, I'm just telling you part of my story, but it was a simple prank. What we would do is we would go out to Meyer later in the evening, we would buy hundreds and hundreds of plastic forks, and then we would go around and put them all over people's yards, stick them in people's yards. It, it was actually pretty cool. I thought it was fun anyways, but to make it even better, we would take Vaseline, like a jar of Vaseline, and we would go around and we would dip it on all the forks. Someone's nodding their head. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we would go around and dip Vaseline on all the forks so that whoever went to clean it up the next morning got their hand covered in Vaseline. It was gross. You're probably thinking that I was the worst, and I kind of was, but it really was how I spent most of my free time when I was a teenager. So on the last day of my junior year of high school, one of my friends from church, she invited all of us over for, uh, to camp out in her backyard. And I wasn't able to stay the night because I had to work the next morning, but I saw an opportunity. So I came up with this plan to play a joke on the people that I usually pranked with. And I told my friends I wouldn't be able to spend the night. However, I told them I thought it would be really fun if they went out and saran wrapped our youth pastor Josh's car that night. And I said I would even help out, I promised to help out by finding out where he would be that night so that they could go and do this prank on him, okay? So they were totally on board. They loved this idea. But what they didn't know was that I had told our youth pastor about their plan to surrender up his car, and we came up with a plan together to scare them when they went to do it. So that night, as my friends inched up toward our youth pastor's car with their saran wrap, he came charging at them from around the corner, running toward them. They took off screaming, terrified. It was the perfect prank. It was awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, while all of this was happening, my friends and I, we were at my friend's house forking her yard, putting forks all over her yard. I was so proud of this prank. I actually still was. I was laughing about it pretty much all week as I was preparing to tell it to you. They had no idea. It was awesome. Needless to say, I'm sure you have gathered that my friends were not very happy with me. Uh, they were not happy that I did not keep my promise that night. I actually got the nickname Backstabber for my whole senior year of high school. And in fact, the other day, I texted them to tell them that I was going to be sharing this story with all of you, and their exact words, their exact, exact responses were, still bitter, and I'll be booing you from the front pew. So this is still, this was like 12 years ago, this is still a very uh, sensitive wound, my friendship with my friends from church. So Taylor and Katie, if you're watching this online, here's my public apology. I'm sorry, it was awesome, but I was a jerk. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, the point of this story was not to make you think I'm a bad friend, which I'm sure some of you may be thinking this about me. I'm actually a pretty good friend. I just wasn't in that moment. But it was to point out a truth that I think we're all pretty well aware of, that our commitments to others, the promises and the agreements that we make, they're a big deal. 
they hold a lot of weight. And likewise, when someone makes a promise to us, we usually count on that other person to do what they say they're gonna do, right? To follow through with their agreement. And that's really what God's big story is all about, this promise, this covenant that he makes with his people, with the Israelites. And today, we're gonna focus on the next part of God's story, the scroll, this covenant. But before we do, I feel like we need to get on the same page and understand what a covenant is. So a covenant, it's a promise, an agreement made between two people. A lot of times when we think about making a covenant with someone, we think about marriage. A covenant with God, though, it's seeing this partnership that God is inviting someone into, okay? So one person or a group of people, and in his covenants, God makes promises, and in exchange, he asks the other person to fulfill certain commitments. And all of this The purpose of all this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew God's partnership with everyone else, to restore what was once broken in the garden. Okay? We're all on the same page? So as we continue talking about this idea of covenant this morning, I actually have some very special guests coming to help us. We are going to learn about um, this whole idea of covenant like we would back in the clubhouse in kids' church. So I, I hope they can hear me, but let's have our first guest come out. <laughs> All right, this is, this is great. Can you see? <laughs> All right, so... In the Old Testament, God makes four very special promises or covenants with different people. Okay, the first was a guy named Noah. Everyone say hi to Noah. Can you see him? He's got a lot of hair. Noah, you may be familiar with his story. He, um, God said he was going to send a flood to destroy the earth, right? And Noah builds an ark. And he brings all his family on board, two of every animal, right? And then God sends the flood. And after the flood, God makes his first covenant with someone, with Noah. And here's what it is. God promises Noah that he's never going to destroy the earth again. He's not going to send a giant flood. And God says, I'm going to remember this covenant with, with you, Noah, with everybody. And whenever I see a rainbow in the sky, that's how I'm going to remember this. Okay? So whenever you see a rainbow... That's a sign of God's promise, God's covenant, to never destroy the earth again. Let's give Noah a great big round of applause. You can go ahead and head back to your seat. Thanks for your help. Hope you can see okay with all that hair. All right, let's go ahead and have our next guest come out. All righty. So we see the second covenant that God makes years after the flood through a man named Abram. You may also know him as Abraham. Okay. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, we see the first of a series of promises to Abram. God's going to make him into a great nation, and all families on earth will be blessed through him. Okay? So later, we see God's promise Abram that his descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. That is a pretty cool promise, right? But there's just one problem. Abram did not have any children of his own. He didn't have any descendants. Not only that, but him and his wife were already pretty old, and it was not physically possible for them to have a child in their old age, okay? But 
Abram believed and held tight to this promise because he knew that the God who was making it to him could be trusted. He knew that God would do what he said he was going to do. And this, this is faith, and this faith is what Abram is remembered for. So we're going to see what God promises Abram in Genesis chapter 17. Go ahead and follow along with me. We're going to start with verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. He said, I am the mighty God. Walk faithfully with me. Live in a way that pleases me. I will now act on my covenant between me and you. I will greatly increase the number of your children after you. Abram fell with his face to the ground. God said to him, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. You will not be called Abram anymore. Your name will be Abraham because I have made you a father of many nations. I will greatly increase the number of your children after you. Nations and kings will come from you. I will make my covenant with you last forever. It will be between me and you and your family after you for all time to come. I will be your God and I will be the God of all your family after you. You are now living in Canaan as an outsider, but I will give you the whole land of Canaan. You will own it forever and so will all your family after you and I will be their God. So here we see God repeating what he's told Abram before that he's going to give him countless descendants and make him the father of many nations. And God, he's bringing this covenant into focus because he's preparing to carry it out. He's about to move. Things are gonna start happening. And it's here we see a shift in Abram's story that God doesn't just make a covenant with him, he changes Abram's name to Abraham. So go ahead and take off your name tag. I've got a new name tag for you you've got a new name. There we go. So your name is now Abraham, and there's significance behind this because in Bible times and even in some communities today, a new name, it signifies a new phase in the life of its bearer, in the life of that person, okay? So God was about to do something new in Abraham's life. He would soon give Abraham and his wife a son whom they would name Isaac, and his family would start to grow and become very fruitful, Through Abraham, God, he's revealing his purpose and his goal for the world. Through Abraham's family, God is going to bless all the families on earth. God's rescue plan to restore what was broken, it's now in full swing. So God told Abraham that he would always be his God and that everyone in his family after him, he would be their God too. In this covenant, it would be for all time to come. Here's what Hebrews 6, 17 tells us about this promise that God makes to Abraham. So God gave his word when he made his promise. He wanted to make it very clear that his purpose does not change. He wanted those who would receive what was promised to know this. And here's the truth that we see through these passages and through the life of Abraham, that God's not gonna take this promise away because that's not who God is. God always keeps his promises. His character is absolutely reliable, and Abraham, he was a guy who knew this really well. God's purpose of bringing us back to himself, it doesn't change. In this covenant between Abraham and his descendants, it's not just a promise that we're gonna see mentioned in Genesis once or twice, it's something that we're gonna see played out through the rest of the Bible. So thank you, Abraham. Can we give him a great big round of applause? Thank you for your help. Let's bring out our next, our next guest. 
I'm excited for this one. All right, so this next covenant, <laughs> oh, this is awesome. This next covenant that we find in the Bible, it's between God and the descendants of Abraham. I can't even look at you right now. You're cracking me up. It's between God and the descendants of Abraham, known as the Israelites, okay? So hundreds of years after God makes this covenant with Abraham, the Israelites, his family, found themselves as slaves in Egypt, okay? But God had not forgotten about the Israelites because remember, he made a promise that he would always be their God, right? He made that promise to Abraham. So God, he works through a guy named Moses. Everyone say hello to Moses. <laughs> and after some conversations with Pharaoh, a series of plagues, a high-speed chase across the Red Sea, the Israelites were finally set free from slavery. God had delivered them. So about three months after the Israelites left Egypt, God calls Moses up from this mountain, and he gives him some instructions. Follow along with me in Exodus chapter 19, starting with verse 3. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called out to him from the mountain. He said, here is what I want you to say to my people who belong to Jacob's family. Tell the Israelites, you have seen for yourself what I did to Egypt. You saw how I carried you on the wings of eagles and brought you to myself. Now obey me completely, keep my covenant. If you do, then out of all the nations, you will be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine, but you will be a kingdom of priests to serve me. You will be my holy nation. That is what you must tell the Israelites. So Moses, he goes back to the Israelites. They agree to enter into this covenant relationship with God saying they'll do everything that the Lord had said. And this promise that God had made to Abraham long ago, this covenant, it was now being realized as God is restating it, restating his agreement with the Israelite nation, okay? So God promised to bless and care for them, and the people in turn promised to obey him. So then we see God give Moses and the Israelites uh, the Ten Commandments, which I actually I brought with me today. Okay, so God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments, these list of ordinances. <laughs> Hope you know what to do with those. <laughs> and furthermore, under this covenant, okay, the people could only come to God through priests offering sacrifices to cover their sins. So God agreed to forgive the people's sins if they would bring animals for the priests to sacrifice, okay? Oh, I also brought... I also brought the animal with me. Oh, hope you can carry all this stuff. There we go, because you'll need that too. So, <laughs> here's the thing though. These animal sacrifices, they did not in itself remove sin. And this all had to be repeated day after day, year after year. This was all a part of the covenant, okay? Here's the basic gist of this covenant. If the Israelites obeyed God, if they followed his commandments, that he would give them, then God was going to bless them. And in doing all these things and following all these ordinances, the Israelites would become a holy nation. They would be a reflection of God to other nations, to other people. We see from this promise to the Israelites that a covenant relationship with God, it invites us to move toward holiness. Becoming more like God, it's always the goal of a relationship with God because God wants to make us more like him. But here's the thing about the Israelites. 
they end up breaking God's covenant a lot. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that they start to worship other gods. They allow horrible injustice, and they end up losing their land, and they're forced off into exile. Eventually, God brings them back home, but their choices led to some pretty tough consequences. And here's the truth that we learn from the story of the Israelites, that even when we mess up our end of the covenant, God still doesn't break his promises. Yes, there are consequences for our sin, but God never stops pursuing this covenant with his people, this relationship with his people. Thank you, Moses. Can we give Moses a great big round of applause? I'll take, I'll take all your stuff. We'll just throw it back over here. All right, it's time for our last guest. He's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you can tell. Oh, because he's, he's a king. All right, so last but not least, we have King David. And we're not going to talk too much about his story today because next week our series is all about how Israel asked for a king. But here's what you need to know about King David. He was the leader of Israel, and he partnered with God to help the Israelites obey God and do what is right and just. Okay, so here's the covenant that God gives to King David. One day, someone from David's family line would come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. Okay, so David's throne is going to last forever. Pretty cool promise, huh? Yeah, you like that? All right, let's give King David a great big round of applause. You can have a seat. So here's the thing. The story of the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, it's a story of covenant. But the truth is, although the Israelites agreed to follow God, they really struggled with keeping their end of the agreement. But like we talked about earlier, failure, it's not the end of the story when God is involved. There would be a day when God would restore all these covenants and in spite of all the Israelites' failures, there would be a day where God would establish something new. Because God still had a plan, a plan that he had from the very beginning, and in the Old Testament, we also see this promise that God gives to his people through the prophets, he says that he's going to send a Messiah, a savior, a rescuer to come and save Israel. And we see this promise fulfilled through God's son, Jesus. And as we learn more about Jesus, here's what we see. We see that Jesus is from the family of Abraham, so he's gonna bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. That Jesus is the faithful Israelite, that He's the one who is truly able to obey the law. He lived a perfect life and he never sinned. And we see that Jesus is from the line of David, that he came to extend God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. He's establishing a kingdom that will never end. This old covenant, the promises God made with Abraham, with the Israelites, with King David, they were always pointing toward Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill everything the Old Testament or the Old Covenant looked forward to and to establish a new covenant with us through his sacrifice on the cross. And Jesus, he explains what this looks like during the Last Supper in Luke 22. We read that as Jesus is eating the Passover meal with his disciples, he takes the bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he takes the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. 
an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Here Jesus is helping us to see what an important thing his sacrifice on the cross is. This is what it's always been about because the covenant has always been leading to his sacrifice. No longer would the people have to sacrifice animals and go to priests through Jesus' sacrifice. Now everyone can come to God freely. Through Jesus, we can all be made right with God. Through Jesus, what was broken in the garden, it can be made new. So we've unpacked a lot this morning of this whole idea of a covenant, and I'm not sure where it may be finding you. Maybe you need a reminder this morning that God keeps his promises, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, that you can put your trust in him because he's reliable. Or maybe you're going through some really tough and heavy stuff. Maybe you have sin or heartache or sickness and, in your life and you just need to be delivered from it. Or maybe you just need to hear this morning that God loves you and that he wants to enter into a relationship with you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Wherever you're at this morning, here's what I know. The same God who promised and provided for Abraham, who delivered the Israelites and entered into a relationship with them, he wants to do the same for us. God is still in the business of providing for us, delivering us, and entering into this relationship with us. This covenant, it's not just a story of the Old Testament. It's not just something on a timeline. It's something we're invited into even now. It's our story today. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to spend a few minutes just responding to what God may be saying to us. So in a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to enter into a time of communion with one another, reflecting on this sacrifice, this new covenant that Jesus makes with us. And as you can see, we have different stations set up throughout the room um, for you to receive communion through intinction. And if you are unable to come forward in a minute, we still want you uh, to be able to participate in communion. Communions for all those who believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made, who have a relationship with him. So if you're unable to move forward, please let someone know because we want to be able to bring communion to you. But I also want to invite you to just spend some time coming to the altars and responding. What if today we laid down all the heavy stuff that we brought with us, that we're carrying. What if we handed it over to God and we allowed him to deliver us from it? What if we put our trust in the God who always keeps his promises? Or maybe today, you just wanna say thank you to God for everything he's done for you, how he's provided for you in your life. Maybe you wanna enter into a relationship with him or you wanna recommit your covenant with him. Whatever's on your heart, whatever God may be saying to you, come to the altars. They're open for you. And I truly believe that God wants to speak to each of you this morning, that he has something he wants to say and speak into your heart. So what if we just spend some time responding to that? Families, I want to encourage you to use this as a time to pray together with one another. Come and take communion with one another, but come and pray at the altars. As you can see, they're spread out because we've intentionally created space for you to come together and pray. Pray for one another. Pray over one another. Thank Jesus for the sacrifice that he's made for each of us. Talk about what this sacrifice means. Model for your kids what this new covenant looks like. 
But I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward. But let's open ourselves up to God as we prepare this table and participate in communion together. Pray with me. Lord, as we participate in communion together, may we remember Christ's sacrifice for us, how his body was broken, how his blood was shed for us. I pray that we would, as we remember that when we take communion, we would do so in remembrance of Jesus and all that he did for us. Thank you, Lord, for this new covenant that you make with us. Speak to our hearts this morning because we're listening. We want to hear from you. We love you, Lord. Amen.